praise God, I gotta look around, everybody's in a slightly different position. Praise the Lord, but you all made it, and that's good. And uh, you know, there's, I don't know, Renee, there's something about this, 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 this it might stay for a while. I'm, Jennifer's a little bit further away from me, but I can still see her, hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we were gonna, we, were, we, we, either had to, we either had to part the seas or we were gonna have to get my daughter some windshield wipers for, for her glasses, amen. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. But you know, my wife was mentioning in, in uh, uh, she was mentioning announcements about uh, change and stuff like that. You know, God doesn't change, we do. And of course, we have to learn to adapt to that, you know, and I know that it does throw us off a little bit sometimes when we do those things, but man, God really wants to do something in our midst, and, and it does help us, you know. Uh, and even with the Word, it's not that, uh, you know, the Word changes. The Word doesn't change, but our revelation of the Word can change. And that's as we grow in things of God. You know, I was saying to my wife this morning, I said, you know, there's some ministers that in their pride, they won't, uh, they'll, they'll never be able to change certain things because they've either preached it too long or they've stood on a, a, a soapbox so long, so they can't see it any other way. But you know, one of the benefits of being somebody who had completely no self-confidence, which is myself, one of the benefits of that is I always assumed that I was wrong. And so it was easy for me to adapt as I went along, amen? And so I still kind of always assume I'm a little bit wrong. But I trust God, I trust the Spirit, and as we learn, lean into His Word, and that's why He's given us the Word. He's given us the Word as a firm foundation to stand on, amen? And so just because we don't get it all today doesn't mean we can't get, get it more someday, amen? And that's what I want. I want greater light in the Word, amen? And so God doesn't change. We know that according to, to Malachi 3.6. You know, the Bible says there, He says, I am the Lord, I do not change, hallelujah. God doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus isn't going to change, but amen. We might have to change some. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm so thankful for change, and I'm so thankful for the ability to adapt and do it. Amen. And I'm glad that you made it here tonight, or today. Man, I don't even know where I'm at sometimes. Praise the Lord. Tonight, today, I think last night I almost said this morning. Glory to God. So, But uh, praise God. Hallelujah. We, we are looking to get where, uh, where, where God wants to take us. Amen. Praise Jesus. Well, as you know, we have been, I've been preaching a message called Sin, Hell, and Redemption. This is part three. Uh, we've been focusing the first three weeks on, uh, 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 the first few weeks on sin. Today should be the last, I uh, should be able to wrap up sin today, amen, or at least uh, where I want to, uh, what I'm, you know, the purpose and what I'm preaching on it. You know, sin is a big topic. Just like hell is a big topic and redemption is a big topic. And I'm just going to warn you, in these few weeks of preaching on it, I'm not going to cover every bit of it. I'm covering aspects of it for the purpose of teaching a certain thing and get us understanding. For example, the first two weeks of talking about sin, I wasn't just talking about all about sin, but I was talking about more of the why of sin, like what sin does to us, you know, and, uh, you know, a little bit how sin, uh, you know, and we need to do that so we can understand hell. Because if we don't understand sin, we won't understand hell. But today, it was on my heart, uh, specifically last week, uh, the Lord dropped this in me during, I can't remember what, pre-service or during service or whatever, the Lord dropped it in me to specifically go a specific area on sin. And this week, we're going to kind of deal with that. We're going to talk a little bit, uh, it's going to be a little bit more focused on, you know, like the idea of Christian sin. You know, because there is a difference between Christian sin and worldly sin, if you didn't know it. And we're going to focus on that just a little bit. Because this is an area that trips a lot of people up. But before I get into the message, you know I've been doing this to soften the blow a little bit. 
we have some more things that have been found in church bulletins. Amen. And I'm going to give you five today. I just couldn't, I couldn't st uh, stay on four, but we're going to get into the to, to five things that have actually been found in random church bulletins. Amen. Praise the Lord. So number one, next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's a, that's a good one, right? Whew, we're going to have tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. Oh, bless, 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 bless good old uh, country churches with little old ladies that think they can sing. Hallelujah. 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 Uh, number two. Uh, this afternoon, <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. This afternoon, there will be meetings in the in the south and north end of the church. Children will be baptized at both ends. <laughs> get them coming, get them going. You know, we just gotta get, get them good. Praise the Lord. Ah, hallelujah. Number three, and just remember by this, if if we get into any hard talking later, just remember that this pastor was real funny at the beginning of service. Amen. Number three, the ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind. You know, because well, they may be seen in the basement Friday afternoon. Grandma had that huh? Grandma had that starred. Yeah, you know, my, I got all these from my grandma. If you haven't heard that, you know, my grandma had these right now. The ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind. They may be seen in the basement. Oh, there was a real good one in there. I didn't even put it on there because I didn't know it was a little too risque. And I said, um, yeah, I can't even say it now because I'll get it screwed up. Maybe I'll put it in next week and they'll just then we'll repent afterwards. Amen. <laughs> Number four. I love this one. The low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. <laughs> <laughs> but that one pales in comparison to the next one. <laughs> Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double doors at the side entrance. <laughs> I know. Obviously, obviously, they weren't picking up. It's just the wording, you understand. And so, oh, praise God, hallelujah. So, well, if you can't laugh in church, hallelujah. The large double doors. That's a sad. Oh, glory to God. Well, anyways, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Sin, hell, and redemption, part three. And again, we're going to be talking about sin today. And, you know, when we talk about subjects, even subjects that are hard to talk about, you know, we don't talk about them because we ever want to hurt somebody. You know, and as a pastor, you know, actually, um, Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, well, there was something. Amen. Praise Jesus. You know, in the, 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 the Corinthians were, um, we'll just say they were a work. Amen. Now, we know that every, every church is a work. But the Corinthians were a work. If you don't know church history, it means that Paul had to labor pretty intensely to, to help the Corinthians. Amen. And uh, um, praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, he had to give them a lot of rebuke, a lot of rebuke. In fact, there are some, some pretty serious things. And, you know, and, and, and I was studying a lot in there this week, and that's why I believe that the Lord probably part of why he brought this up to me. But it does fit in, in for, for this, uh, for the purposes of here. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 
in verse uh, 8. Amen. Uh, Paul said, For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for, the building, for, for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. And I love that because the Apostle Paul addressed a very important thing here. You know, the purpose of the local church is building people up. Now, you understand, in building up, sometimes you got to tear down. You know, sometimes you just can't, if you, if, you got, if you go into a structure, if you're doing some remodel or something like that, and you're going into a structure, sometimes you have to remove a lot of things before you can put the new stuff in, amen? And so sometimes that's what the local church is. Sometimes we have to remove some stuff. So if you're in service, especially a service, I can, I can say this about my churches, the churches that God has placed me as a pastor of, um, my heart is never to hurt people. That's not my job. In fact, if you would talk to me, and any time you have talked to me, I've certainly haven't uh, uh, ever attacked people, at least to my knowledge. And if I have, please let me know and I'll repent for it. But, but honestly, I, I, my heart is to help people. And I think that that's a true pastor's heart because, because uh, Jeremiah tells us uh, you know, that the Lord was going to give us shepherds after his own heart. Amen. And, and that is a very important thing. And so for a pastor to want to destroy the people is a very, very sad thing. I never want to do that. Now, that doesn't mean I won't preach boldly. Sometimes bold preaching is necessary. Uh, uh, last week, I got into some bold preaching, and that's because the Lord was, I believe, was dealing with some things, specific things. And sometimes they're hard to hear, you know, and um, praise God. And, and, and we, have to, we have to get to the point where correction is okay to us. I know it's not popular in this society. But remember, it's not the things we do right that will that, that trip us up. It's the things we do wrong. And so if we hear something bold that steps on our toes a little bit, we need to be able to receive it maturely and just say, you know what? This is helping me become a better person. This is helping me become a better Christian. Amen? And, and, and so the Apostle Paul addressed that with the Corinthians after he had, this was in the end, towards the end of his second letter to the Corinthians. And we have two letters to the Corinthians, two very intense letters to the Corinthians, amen, where he corrected a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. And, and so we understand that, that, that God, you know, he, he is, he, that, that Paul's intent was not to harm them, but to bring them help. And of course, he talks a lot about that. So if there's correction, you know, uh, and, if, and I'll say this, if there's ever correction, from the pulpit that you struggle with, talk to us. You know I'm not a mean guy. You know that I'm not, I, I, I won't just uh, lambaste you for dealing with something, even if you're dealing with sin. You understand that. And I want to I preface this message, especially because we're going to be talking about sin specifically. Uh, I want to preface this by saying, listen, if you're dealing with sin, you know, the devil would love to keep you segregated. And, and, and you, you know, reach out to us. We can help you with that. We know how to. Uh, we 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 know the answers to overcome. Amen. And that that's because God has established this on the Word, and we've we've been established in the Word. Amen. Not that we're perfect, but we know how to help. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so that's what the local church is meant for. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Turn with me first. We're going to start this message over in First John two. Amen. So the goal of, you know, the, the goal is never to, 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 to hurt people. But, you know, the Bible call, says it this, like this way. It says, speaking the truth in love. Amen? Speaking the truth in love. And we understand that speaking the truth in love is, is, is you know, love does, and actually, if you go into, over there in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about love, and it's the great love chapter. One of the things it does say is that love always it rejoices in the truth. And so that's not just the one who says it, but that's the one who's hearing it, too. Yeah. 
Amen? And so we need to learn to rejoice in the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. Remember, God's word is truth and the truth makes us free. Hallelujah. And so we want to be freed from all the ills. Do you understand what, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christians, uh, praise the Lord, thank you God for all the, the assumption. A lot of Christians misunderstand what freedom in Christ is all about. Freedom in Christ is not a free-for-all to go live any way you want. It's freedom. <clears throat> freedom in Christ literally is the freedom from the bondage of sin. Because what a lot of people don't realize is sin puts people in bondage. And so the freedom that Jesus taught about was freeing humanity from the bondage of sin, which uh, ultimately ended in death. And we understand that's not God's design, but that's what sin does. Sin corrupts our flesh until it causes death. Amen? And so we don't want, uh, we want that freedom that is found in the life of Christ, hallelujah, or the life through Christ. Uh, often what is called in the, uh, the Greek, the word is zoe, which means, uh, literally means the life is God has it, amen? And there's been many people that have preached on that, but, but, but the, uh, uh, the, you, you know, the understanding is the life that God provides, the one he has for us. Amen. John 10, 10. Again, I've been mentioning that a lot. You know, I've seen it differently in recent years because I used to think that the abundance that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10 was just abundant life. Like I get to have riches, I get to have things and, and all that stuff. But that's not, that's not what it's, not that any of those things couldn't be found in there, but, but the true abundant life is a life led by God's spirit. I like, you know, one of the things, I'm so thankful for the knowledge of God, Lord, I'm so thankful. I tell him all the time, I'm so thankful for the word that sets me free, that has made, changed my life. Glory to God. Because it's the truth of God's word. You know, and sometimes that takes you away from people, amen? Listen, I'm speaking to somebody in here. Sometimes the truth of God's word will lead you away from certain people because they don't want to stay with the truth of God's word. And sometimes it will lead you to other people because they want to be in with it. You know, God will connect us with people, but we need to follow the truth. If we won't follow the truth, first and foremost, above everything, above a man, above a woman, above a doctrine, above a theology, above a religion, whatever it is, we are, we are automatically, we have entered into error. Because the first error we, error we enter is that error which says that we rise, we, uh, it's actually, the, 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 it's a sin. It's called the sin of idolatry. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we follow a man above the word, or a woman above the, uh, the word, we are, we, or if we're lived, listening to a doctrine that is presented by a man, even if it's by revelation of a man or a woman, even if they, they've said they've seen Jesus, even and especially if they've seen Jesus, if it does not line up specifically with the word of God, we are entering into idolatry. And that's something I just won't do. Now, listen, over the years, I have put a, a, high, a high premium on, on those that I've trusted in the word when they speak things to me. And I do, and I think that's important to do. But I will not exalt it above the word. And you should never do it either. You know, uh, uh, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And if it was good enough for Paul, the apostle, the great apostle, the greatest Christian, unarguably, one of the greatest Christians that lived of all time, if it was good enough for him, it could be good enough for us too, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so that's what we're doing. And so we endeavored to get into the word and find out the word and see what the word says. Uh, amen. Ah, hallelujah. Can I say something else? <clears throat> Doctrine that is based on theology of a certain rendering of the text is just as much an error as following, uh, following a false teacher. In other words, if you see it in a text and you build a doctrine because of the way it's worded in a certain version of the Bible or, or something like that, it's error. Yeah. 
Praise God. That's why I'm so thankful. We have the greatest time. We live in one of the greatest times. We have more access to, the, to Bible knowledge than ever, and still people stay archaic in their thinking according to the word. Amen? That's why we changed the church around a little bit. Amen? And I kind of like it, actually. I wasn't sure if I liked it, but I kind of like it now. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry. We, we don't know what we're going to do. We might change it again, but, but I really do kind of like it, you know? Praise the Lord. It, it's, a, it's a blessing. 1 John 2. I just I want to get into the word. Verse 1. Um, uh, it says here, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know, th th this, uh, this is a heart, uh, this is the beginning heart of what I'm talking about. And, and we're going to get into some of these scriptures more here. But, uh, you, you know, he says, this almost, this almost, it didn't quite confuse me for years and years. But, but, but for a long time, I, I kind of felt like there's something we're missing a little bit in this. You know, uh, I, I write these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, it's almost like it's like it's almost like here, don't sin, but here's a little allowance to sin. And that's the way a lot of Christians have seen, have read into this, and they read into it that way because they don't understand. Uh, they don't understand the Bible. You understand if you take one verse out of context, or you take one verse without the counsel of the of other scriptures, you can miss what was really being said. And that's why so many people build false doctrine, or how they build false doctrine. Sometimes not even wanting to, not even meaning to, but they do that because they pull one thing out of context. You have to look at scripture in context of what all of scripture says. That's why when people looked at just the Old Testament, they didn't understand the Old Testament too well because they didn't have the light of the New Testament. But we know now we have the light of the New Testament, which explains the Old Testament and can make it make sense to us. So if we read the Old Testament without understanding the New Testament, we will not understand the Old Testament. I'm just telling you the truth. I said if you read the Old Testament without understanding the New Testament, you will not understand what you're reading. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so it's very important for us to get that balance. But there's a lot of texts, you know, if we just read it and pull it off the shelf, we're like, oh, this says this. I was in error for many years. Actually, uh, uh, I was in error for many years on, on certain things. It was keeping me even from the ministry itself yeah. because I thought a certain way that wasn't true. Amen. But what he's really addressing here is like, he, you know, the, the, the writings of Scripture have been given to us so we know what sin is and we can stay away from it. But the reality of it is, is that there will be times when we'll sin and we don't even mean to or we don't enter into it. And herein lies kind of the, 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 the beginning of what I'm talking about was Christian sin versus worldly sin. See, Christians should not look at the sin of the world the same way the world looks at that sin. And yet so often we find Christians doing just that. We find Christians that are living just like the world. They're living in worldly sin. You know, worldly sin. What, what is that? Well, if you, you know, we just did that series on Galatians 5, 22 and 23, talking about the fruits of the Spirit. But if you back up just a few scriptures, he tells you what the works of the flesh are. And all those things in there, you know, that's sexual sin and many different levels it talks about. It talks about drunkenness and unsobriety. It talks about carousing and stuff like that. It talks about being unsober or not sober-minded and things like that. All of these things are worldly sins. And these things should not be named in Christians. And so this is one of the problems is that a lot of people have made allowance in their life for sin. A lot of Christians have made allowance in their life. Do we have a bunch of Christians in here today? I, I dare say that probably everybody in here is born again. I believe that as I look around. Uh, is there anyone who's not born again? Just raise your hand in front of everybody. 
you're proud. That's just a joke, amen? We didn't get any hands either. But if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you know what I'm talking about? These things, and, and, and if you don't, for some reason you don't, I'm just going to throw this out there. Then listen carefully what I'm saying. Because there's a difference. There's differences. And so we have to understand that. A Christian, you know, if I were, uh, if I were a pastor that's living in blatant sin, would you want to follow me? Now, if you, if you, uh, you know, you, you may, uh, if you, if you went to Applebee's or something like that and you saw Pastor Jeff sitting up at the bar hammering uh, shots, how would you feel when you came in here on Sunday morning? Would you even come in here Sunday morning? Or how about this? If, 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 if you, uh, you know, you were, you, you were out driving and you saw me walking down the street holding hands with a woman that wasn't my wife, would that bother you? It absolutely would bother you, right? You would think that there's something wrong with that. Or if I wasn't married and as I was a, I was a pastor, but you knew that uh, I was, uh, you know, obviously I'm married, so I can't do this. But, but say I, was, I wasn't married, I was a pastor, I was your pastor, and you came into church and you knew that I was uh, taking turns with, uh, you, you know, young, attractive women in the church, taking turns, you, you know, having relations with them. Would you, would you still want to come to this church? See, you, you wouldn't even have to be a Christian very long and there'd be things about that you'd know that are wrong, right? There would be things in that that your sense, uh, you, that, that's not becoming of a, uh, uh, of a pastor. But you know, the truth of the matter is, is I'm called to be an example for a reason, an example to follow. My life should be an example. Any pastor, their life should be an example that sheep can follow, that people can look at and say, this is the way that I need to live as well. You know, and so, so when you see that and you think that that would be weird there, it's also weird when you profess to be Christ, when you profess to be a Christian, when you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and yet you so easily live in that kind of sin, or you so uh, completely live in that kind of sin. And you see, so those kinds of things, we have to separate these things. We have to understand that the sin that this is allowing for, that the, the Jesus, uh, Jesus, the advocate with the Father, Jesus is not advocating for a Christian who is committing sins that the Bible clearly tells us not to commit. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is important for us to hear this. Jesus is not, or Paul is not saying that we have an advocate with the Father to live in sin that the Bible clearly says you don't live in. When a, Christian's getting, uh, when a Christian is doing the things that the world is doing, they don't have an advocate with the Father. Jesus isn't saying, my blood, don't worry, son or daughter, my blood, my blood covers you. Because that's not the truth. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not the truth. You cannot live in purposeful sin that the Bible clearly condemns and think that you have place with the Father. Because you don't. Now, you may have place in the sense that, you know, you've been saved, you've been born again. And sometimes, you know, you come in and people need uh, space and time to repent. But this is very, very important for us to understand because this is one of the things, this is a doctrine that the devil has snuck into the church that is causing the demise of our entire society. It is destroying our entire society. You know, when, uh, when, when, when you take, uh, when, when Christians feel that through the freedom of Christ, they can live any way that they think is, uh, that they just want to. And we're going to see this more as we go. 
The Bible told, tells us to be, to, to, to be separate from the world. It doesn't mean to be separated from the world, not interact with the world, but it means to do things differently. The Bible tells us, be holy because I am holy. That's the Lord speaking. He says, be holy because I am holy. What, what happens when a Christian lives unholy? Do you really think that you can live unholy and the blood of Jesus just washes it all away and just makes it okay? That's a lie from the pit of hell. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous in the church. You know, even Jesus said, he said, there'll be many that say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, he say, do we not cast out demons in your name? Do we heal the sick in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Right. What is that? That's Christians who didn't know God. Right. And Christians that think that they can live any way they want to live and be okay, don't know God. They don't know God. Christianity is not a, a, a license or a freedom into whatever you want to do and just being protected now. That's not what it is. Praise the Lord. You know a boat, uh, uh, ships, big ships and stuff like that, they have these things called lifeboats. And over the years, they've gotten a lot better. But you know, no one looks at a lifeboat and says, oh man, I want to ride on that. Everyone knows that those things are there as a last resort. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That is, it's not like you, like you don't look to go ride. If, you, if you're booking a cruise, you're not booking to ride on the lifeboat. In fact, if you get to the point where you're on the lifeboat, you're wishing you didn't go on the cruise. Amen? Let's not be Christians that are, 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 are looking for the lifeboat. We want to be on the cruise, man. We want to be, right, we want to be in the, the captain's cabin. We want to be in the best place, eating the best food. You understand, metaphorically speaking. We don't want to be those Christians that are towing the line. And that's another thing. I'm just going to tell you, if you're a Christian that constantly tows the line, well, I think I can get away with this, or, you know, God hasn't condemned me yet. If you're a Christian that's constantly tow towing the line, you are in danger of hell yourself. Because what you're doing is you're, you're butting up against, you're, you're, you're essentially, uh, you're, you're looking at the blood of Christ and you're saying, that doesn't matter what it, pay, what, what it paid for, what he had to go through to pay for this. Amen? And we're going to see this more as we go. But I want to, I want to make this distinction because there's so, you know, there, we have people that, are, that, that call themselves Christians and whether they are or not, Jesus is going to decide that in the end. I'm not going to decide that now. But we, call, we, have, we have people that have called themselves Christians that have left even a church like ours because I preach too much about doing things wrong or doing things right or I preach too much about this sin or that sin or whatever or I've preached about it all along and as they've been listening to it, you know, they start doing things differently and they don't like it because it convicts them. So now they're going to go to a church and be a Christian in a church that doesn't preach those kinds of things. You understand, if you leave a church because you don't like that they're preaching the word and it's convicting you, that's a dangerous heart issue that can lead you right into hell. I'm just being honest. And, and if it doesn't lead you into hell, certainly it'll lead people around you in hell. Because how much voice do you think, do you know what the number one thing that the world looks at is the hypocrisy of Christians to stay away from Christianity? Christians that have nothing to do with church. Christians that have nothing to do with living right. Christians that have nothing to do with, uh, with evangelizing. Christians who, who aren't serious about their faith. If you're a Christian that isn't serious about your faith, what you're showing the world is it's a joke. That's what you're doing. Praise the Lord. One of the things that, that my wife and I are seeing um, as a, a, an 
awful thing that's happening in schools is as people, as Christian and Christianity gets pulled out of school in all kinds of ways. Now listen, if you, you know, I know we have people in here that have their kids in, in, in private Christian school. There's nothing wrong with that the Lord leads you to. But don't ever do something like that just because you think that it's somehow going to be better because it's not. That's a deception as well. Do it because the Lord's led you. If the Lord leads you, I, I, I would have no problem with somebody uh, homeschooling, Christian school, private school, online school, you know, however it's got to be. It does not matter. But when we just think that it's going to, you know, we're going to just protect them from something. Yeah, no, that's not right. See, that's a fallacy in Christian thinking. We have to be proactive about our faith. Our kids will pick up the faith. My kids, every one of my kids have gone through public school. And I, this is not a public school like you have to have your kids in public school. I'm not saying that. But my kids have gone through public school. And I have one more child that's still in public school. That's Ezra. And she is doing very well. And what I mean by doing well, she's doing well. She loves church. She loves God. She loves this life that we live, this Christian life. You know, she's not against it. She will serve God all the days of, my, of her life. There is no doubt in my heart. Amen? Both of my boys... Uh, are, are serving God. I, you know, uh, uh, at least Caleb spent his 21st birthday not at the bars, but he spent it in church and did so willingly. Amen? Praise God. Um, you know, my oldest son is building his life and, and doing things. Why do I use these as, as examples? Does it mean they're perfect? Certainly they weren't perfect. Certainly they made mistakes. But you know what they had in them? They had a foundation that was built by their parents, a foundation on God. We didn't always, and we, 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 did our, we led our home the same way that we lead the church. We're not perfect. We're going to miss it. If I know that, I'm gonna, if I know that I've missed it, I'm going to do my best to repent, change, and to apologize for it. But... Uh, our kids, have, I think they still don't expect us to be perfect. But you know, our kids, they're connected to this. You do know they're even connected to this church. Not Ezra so much because she has to be here because she lives in our house and under our care and stuff. But the two boys, both of them, have I not given you both license to be anywhere that God has called you to be? Have I ever, told, have I ever led you in a way that, that, makes you, that has made you thought that dad's really saying we have to stay here? Either one of them. You have both been told, and, and I tell my kids that, you be where God has placed you. They are in this church because they believe that's where God has placed them. Amen? Amen. And why do I say all that? Because that kind of, we, we weren't perfect. Mark came into the church his first time when he was eight, eight years old. About eight or nine years old was when we started serving God with him. Amen? Now, listen, this is also not saying if you have a kid that's not serving God, that that's all your fault either. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that, you know, we can't make it about certain things. There's, there's sometimes there's issues that cause those things to happen. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that to, to, you know, to brag on my kids or anything either. But what I say is, is because the best thing, the best thing that we can do moving forward, the only way that we can move forward is by, is by serving God and putting a premium on serving God. Amen. And if you have kids that are wayward, um, and, and, and there's people in here that could, that, that could attest to what I'm about to say. Faithful people in here that have kids that are wayward. And the thing that they can attest to and tell you is that the only hope that those kids have is by their parents living for God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, the, you know, the idea is, is, is not to be, I was starting to say, like, uh, Christians in society, like, Christians aren't in society enough. They're not out there, and not out there being, uh, you know, in-your-face Christians and just tearing everybody down, because that's stupid, too. 
That's not showing people the love of God, right? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, you understand, I'm trying to bring balance here to these things that we're saying. But, uh, you know, as we, as, we, um, as we go forward, we have to be Christians that our, 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 our hearts are on being what God wants us to be and fulfilling that call. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, but, uh, but, but how we do that is how we live our life. And if we live our lives as examples of what not to be, the world knows it's just as, they know it's hypocritical as well. This is a problem I have actually with a lot of churches. Not that I have a problem with a lot of churches, but what I have a problem in the doctrine is that there's a lot of churches that make excuse or they make uh, room for people's sin. Oh, you just, you just do what you want to do or you just be what you want to do, uh, be, you know, you can come back and apologize for it later. That's wrong. That's wrong. Living wrong before the Lord when you're supposed to be somebody who's, you know, we're, as Christians, we're called to do everything before the Lord as unto the Lord. Right. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we want to be people that, that, that walk that path. You know, when we talk about uh, true faith, when we talk about things like faith, you know, um, uh, this church has been built around this idea of faith and what faith really is. And I'm going to tell you, to make faith real simple for you, faith is a relationship to God. It's, it, it's, it's a connection to God. Now, we've been preaching these things for quite a while, but uh, faith, people try to make it about a lot of stuff and they just get confused. Faith is about a relationship with God. How are you going to have faith if you don't, if you're living in a way that's completely opposite of who God is, right. amen. How, how are you going to live? How are you going to be convinced of what you're doing? How are you going to? How are you going to pray a prayer, trusting God, if you have no relationship with God because you live in a way that's opposite God? Do you understand? Like, if I start heading down the road of sin, now Christian sin, I'm going to give you a few examples of what Christian sin will probably look like typical Christian sin. And I'm not talking about like, you know, you know there, there'll be Christians that have been born, people have been born again, maybe that was an alcoholic and they still struggle with alcohol and things like that. God obviously gives people a wide, you know, a wide berth. I'm not saying that you just embrace being an alcoholic, but if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic, sometimes it takes years to get out. And, 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 and you know, so don't, a person like that shouldn't feel condemned. But at the same time, um, there, there's the, the, the majority of us don't fall into those necessary uh, cat categories. And so what does Christian sin look like? Christian sin looks like walking out of love. Yeah. If I could say this, that's acceptable. I don't want to say it that way. I was going to say acceptable Christian sin, but people misunderstand what I'm saying. It's not acceptable to walk out of love, but that's in the realm of what Christian sin would be. Walking out of love causing discord, um, being somebody who is, uh, uh, um, you know, critical or something like that, uh, essentially going against the fruits of the Spirit, you know, em embracing uh, Christians that are complaining all the time, stuff like that. Um, you, you know, uh, uh, it, it's, it, it's not stuff that is on the level of full-blown, you know, fornication. You know, uh, uh, all of a sudden they're out binge drinking at the bar or something like that. That's not, that's not acceptable Christian sin. Amen? And what I mean by, again, there's no sin that's acceptable. But the ones that we have an advocate for, the ones that Jesus is protecting us over or, or, or washing us from, are sins where we're, we're trying to do what's right, generally speaking, but we misstep here and there. That's what this is talking about. And so we need to understand this. It is not acceptable. It is not acceptable. 
it is not acceptable for a Christian to embrace what they know is wrong. It's not. It's not okay. My spirit would not let me, like, aside from the fact that it's wrong and I love my wife and I wouldn't, wouldn't want to hurt her, my spirit would not allow me to cheat on my wife. My spirit would not allow me to, uh, to, to, to go to a bar. My spirit, uh, actually, my spirit wouldn't even allow me to have alcohol in my house. I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, my spirit would, does not allow me to do the things. You know, I, I, I've told you many times, you know, I used to be a real heavy uh, uh, pot smoker. Marijuana, if you don't know, but uh, 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 I, I, used to, I, I used to smoke it with the I used to enjoy it. I used to smoke it all the time. I used to what they do what they call wake and bake. I'd wake up, start smoking, and I'd do that throughout the day. And I, you know, I'd wake and bake all day long. That's the way I lived. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoy it. When I quit, I didn't quit because I didn't want to do it anymore. When I stopped getting high on anything, I didn't do it because I, don't want, I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't, I stopped doing it because my spirit wouldn't allow me to when I got born again, when I started serving God. See, I was actually born again when I was doing it, but I was living away from God. And as long as I lived away from God, I wasn't in church, I wasn't reading the word, I wasn't praying, I wasn't doing any of these things. I wasn't even around other Christians. As long as I did that, I was fine. But the minute I started getting into church, the minute I started coming around other believers, real believers, all of a sudden, my conscience wouldn't let me do that anymore. Why do you think people run from, from good, strong Christians? Even good, strong Christians that aren't in your face Christians. Why though? Because the spirit, uh, their, their, their spirits will be, they'll be convicted by it. And the Bible tells us that, amen? So at any rate, when, um, even when they, when they, I remember days of dreaming, man, if they would only legalize this stuff so I didn't have to be so secretive about it and not have to worry about getting arrested because, you know, one of the things about pot is it makes you paranoid. They have this saying, paranoia will destroy you. And that was the truth. You'd smoke a bunch of pot thinking you're okay, then you get high and all of a sudden you think everybody's out to get you. Everybody's a cop, everybody's this, everybody's that. That used to happen to me all the time. So I remember, I wish they would always, I always wish that they would legalize it. Well, when they finally did legalize it, in, in the state, I'm going to be honest. You want me to be honest with you? There was a moment where I was like, dang. <laughs> they couldn't have done this 15 years, 20 years ago? They couldn't have done it 20 years ago. Thank God they didn't. Thank God they didn't. Amen. But you know what I'm saying? I was like, I had that moment. Listen, I, I understand. The Bible tells us that sin is enjoyable for a time. Yeah, you'll enjoy it for a time. But your conscience, if you are before God, your conscience will not allow you to continue down that road. I don't always not sin because I don't feel like sinning. Because generally speaking, I feel like sinning. My flesh feels like sinning. You don't think that, I mean, come on now. You, you don't think that when I'm seeing everybody else doing it, that my, my flesh doesn't just lean towards wanting to do it? Whatever it is, of course it does. Yours is too. That's never going to change. It doesn't need to change. Because it's, it's not that that's changed. Your flesh will be changed if you dictate it by your spirit. And so a Christian that, that embraces sin is a Christian that is rejecting the spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is why when Christians that live lives of sin talk about their experiences with God, I don't believe it. And the reason I don't believe it is because you can't be sinning 
and be in the presence of God at the same time. Do you think that God has, that Jesus' blood, he gave his son to die a horrific death, to give his blood to cover our sins. Do you think that God did that so that we could stand in front of him and shoot up or smoke a joint or tip him back or to fornicate? Do you think that God really did that? Think about that. Think about the sacrifice. It makes no sense. Of course not. And so for Christians to embrace this kind of living are Christians that are embracing the living of hell. They're living that, uh, that, that lifestyle. Why do we preach against these things? Because that's what it does. It wants to destroy your life. Yeah. Amen. I'm not getting very far very fast, but you know how we go. Now, you're in 1 John 2. Flip on back. Go all the way. We're going we're gonna, to, this might take us. We'll give you an extra, extra minute here. Flip on back to 1 John 1. Amen. Probably you got to turn your page. Verses 5 through 10. Look what it says here. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Yeah. So let me just, just by this statement. If, there, if God is light and there's no darkness at all, then what do you think is going to happen if you bring darkness in the presence of God? Well, what happens if you come into a room and you turn on the light? The darkness dissipates. It goes, Right? And if you want to see better, what do you do? If you're, if you're, uh, uh, my wife wanted me to put, uh, she, uh, she wanted me to put the uh, screen protector on her iPad. And uh, at first I was sitting in our back room there where there's, you know, pretty good ambient light or whatever. And, and I said, nope, can't do it here. I went into the kitchen. I sat at the counter. I said, turn on the light overhead. It was fully lit in the room. <clears throat> Give me the light overhead so I can see exactly what I'm doing. And when you shine light on, light on it, what do you see? You see the little specks of dust and you see the little, you know, the little hairs or the thing that wafted in there at the last minute. And you can deal with that before it becomes a problem. Because what happens if you take that iPad, if you've ever put a screen protector on, on an iPad or a phone or anything like that, and you put that screen protector over it without cleaning it, what happens? You trap all the problems on the inside. Yeah. And you, if you've ever noticed when you do that, if you have a little speck of dust on the inside under your screen protector, when you put it on top, it doesn't just affect that little area, does it? It gives you a bubble around that area. And isn't that bubble around that area typically a lot bigger than the speck of dust itself? Yeah. See, this is what sin is like in the life of a Christian. What we allow to stay creates a bigger issue in the whole narrative. And that's what we have to, we, we as Christians, we have to, we want to stay away from that. That's why they give you all these things. You know, they've, you know, I'm, I'm sure the first screen protectors that came out, they didn't have those little sticky pads that you go over and stick, stick, stick. And what are those for? To get the, all the little things. You know, um, we have cactus, some cacti, cactuses, cact, cactimuses. <laughs> we have dead cactuses. Because even cactuses, you have to water sometimes. But we have those in our house, and we have some that, that have these little, just little dots on them and not even the big spiky spikes, right? We know the big spiky spikes, it's easy to stay away from those. But you see the ones with the little, the little fuzzies on them, and oh, they even look like you want to pet them. And I remember one time, I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And I went like that and filled the end of my finger with the most pain that I could, could, could muster. And I, I'm like, I can't even see what is wrong. 
And so what did I have to do? I couldn't just pick those out. I couldn't even see the problem. I had to actually go get, I actually found a good way. If you ever get a little spiky spike in you that you can't see, what you do is you take some tape and you turn around backwards and you start dabbing it with the tape. And the tape, the stickier it is, the more effective it'll be. It'll pull it out. Amen? But that's what sin in the life of a Christian is like. It causes all these issues. And sometimes, you know, if we don't realize it, <coughs> it's causing issues we can't see. Amen. But the word of God, the spirit of God, <coughs> excuse me, draws all that out. And so God's light shines light on the issue and exposes it so we can address the issue. Amen. Now look at this. So in, in him, there is no darkness at all. So if you bring darkness to the table, brothers and sisters, you're going to have an issue between you and God. Yes. Getting close, getting in that relationship. Amen? Yeah. If we say that we have fellowship, oh, praise the Lord. Have you ever been, I remember, there's, I, worked, I worked in this, this job, this factory. I don't know if ever, any of you have ever heard about it, but I worked there for uh, quite a while, um, 13 and a half years. I think it was something around there. Um, but uh, I was in this factory, and there was this guy who, that would uh, come around, and I liked him pretty much uh, for the most part. He was, there, there was, you know, I, I got along with him and everything. But he, there was two things about him. He, uh, he was a close talker. You know what I'm talking about, close talker. And he had incredibly terrible breath. Now, I like the guy. I, I, I actually, um, I didn't mind him, generally speaking, being around. But you know, every time he came up to me, I had a little bit of cringe. I had a little bit of, I want to be away from him. Why? Because he was going to close talk me in, his in my face with bad breath. And because... I was a good Christian man, you know. I wouldn't, uh, I, wouldn't I, I, I didn't want to embarrass him or anything like that. I just talked behind his back. Just kidding. That's a joke. That's, that, that's a joke because that's what a lot of Christians do, right? But uh, I didn't tell people. A lot of people are telling you, but I'm not telling you his name, so it doesn't matter. But, but he would come to, and, and, and I would, I, I'd want to, like, you know, I'd want to turn away from him. And, and what does that do, that, that, or, or want to put that distance between us? And what does that do? That creates a barrier of getting the fullness of, uh, of interaction between two people. You understand that sin is cringe to God. Sin is like that, it's like bad breath to God. It, it's like, like God, if he looked upon our sin, it would be destroyed, we'd be destroyed with it. Do you understand that? That's the truth. So Jesus came in to cover over our sin, uh, to, he, he, he's like the, if you want to say in, the, in, this, situ, in this scenario, he's like the, the breath strips or the, the Listerine, yeah. amen, that makes us come into close contact. Yeah. But even somebody who's eating this Listerine, what happens if they go out and chew on some manure? <laughs> I tell you, a lot of Listerine, you know, it's meant to help, but if you're chewing on manure, you, you, you just, you know, that's disgusting, right? Yeah. What do you think sin in the life of a Christian is? If you think that it's any less disgusting than someone eating manure, it's not. In fact, in the eyes of God, it's, it's incredibly disgusting. So we need to understand that. Amen? If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the, in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If you are not at the very least convicted of your sin, 
and you're walking in darkness, what we know is darkness. How do we know? The Bible tells us. If you're doing that, you're lying to yourself and to others, and you're not walking in truth. Amen. That's a pretty serious statement. Now, all this came before the first scripture we read that we have an advocate, right? Just in case you didn't believe me. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, what happens is, as we draw to the light, darkness is exposed. How do, you, how do you know what's right and wrong? You follow God, and your conscience will not allow you to just embrace it. Because, and, and this is how you'll know that you're in sin. You can see that you're starting to enter sin. You know, my wife and I, if we get into an argument, and I get, at, like, if we got in a disagreement, say, because a disagreement isn't always going to lead you into sin. But if we get into a disagreement that ends up in our fellowship being hindered, do you know instantly, instantly, I have a check before the Father. I'm like, I, I can't, I, I don't have a relationship here. Because when I've hindered this, this is hindered. Because this is godly. And if I'm entering into darkness purposefully, I, I recognize that. Now, my wife and I are both serving God, so there can be some differences if there's differences in your life. But, but, uh, but you, the heart behind what I'm saying is, is if I start doing something I know or that isn't right, my spirit tells me its alarm bells go off. Now, sometimes we do things that we don't know are right, and God gives us bigger grace for those things. Amen? But, but we're, we're not to live it and embrace it, especially as we know. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship with one another. You should be able to have better fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ than anyone else. Anyone else. Amen? That's why if you have, a, especially if you have a spouse that's not serving God, that's why sometimes the fellowship is so hard, because you have fellowship with him, with the Father, and your spouse has fellowship not with the Father, and what you're doing is there's odds there all the time, and that's why it can cause issues. Sometimes, you know, it, there's the only, the only way to alleviate that is by separation, and that's not ungodly to do that, if, you know, that's the, the end of that thing, or the end of that, you know, amen? If we say that we have no sin, let's see, that's verse, uh, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. So sin is a big issue. Sin is a thing that all of us face, all of us deal with. But God's spirit and God's word will lead us away from God's word first and his spirit working in conjunction with the word will lead us away from sin. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And this is what we call, often we, we refer to as the work of grace. You know, over there in Ephesians uh, 2, it talks about for by grace you have been saved uh, uh, through faith and not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Now you are saved through your faith, through trusting God for it. But the grace is something you weren't able to do. The grace is something that God has gifted you with. And this is this being expounded on right here. And so as Christians, we can't embrace sin, or we shouldn't embrace sin. Amen. Um, I want to bring up Ephesians 2, 1, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. 
in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Sons of disobedience are those who are rejected, they're disobeying God, they're disobeying God's law, right? right. But look what it says, which you formerly walked. Right. See, the very, this, the, the very simplistic understanding the preacher was, when Paul was talking to the Ephesians, the very simplicity of the understanding was this, you formerly walked this way, you don't walk this way now. Right. He's saying in which you formerly walked. Yeah. So he's looking at a bunch of Christians that are doing pretty good. You formerly walked this way, yeah. right? And you did that according to the prince of the power of the air. So when we enter into sin, what we're doing is we're yielding ourselves to the devil. Amen? The reason so many Christians struggle is because the way they walk is the way they walked. The reason so many Christians struggle is because the way they walk is the way they walked. If your life looks no different than before Jesus then your life is not in Jesus. doesn't matter what you confess to be true. You could say God, Jesus is God all day long, and it gets you no closer to heaven. No closer to heaven. The Spirit of God empowers us to break the bondage of sin in our life. And that's what we're looking for. Christians should be living as examples of that. I don't do this anymore because I have been raised up to this. Amen? So you ask yourself in your life, how much has changed in your thinking? How much has changed in your speaking? How much has changed in your doing? Christians, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've been living, you started off on a good foot. If you start reverting back to those things, you know, all of a sudden, this has happened. I've seen this happen many times in Christians' walks. It happened in my own walk. But you're going along pretty good, you know, and then all of a sudden maybe you get, you know, have trial or whatever. Now all of a sudden you start reverting back and start doing things that you used to do. Things that you stopped doing when you became a Christian. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. You're doing things you used to do that you gave up and now you're going back to it. That's what the Bible calls returning to your own vomit. As a pig returns to wallowing in the mire, so does a fool to his folly. That's exactly what that's talking about. Why would, we, why would we regress and go backwards? If you've lived a life where you've been after God and you've discovered God and you've seen the goodness of God and now you have trial in your life and now all of a sudden you're tempted to draw back to not doing that anymore or not being faithful anymore or not serving God anymore or, or getting away from you know, reading your Bible or praying, all these things that happen when we see trial, right? Has anyone been, does anyone know what I'm talking about? I know I'm not the only one in this room that has dealt with these things. But we resist these things because of his goodness. We step forward in faith because we trust him. We reach to those things which he's laid ahead of us. This is how we keep ourselves in the love of God. The Bible tells us to keep ourselves in the love of God. To keep yourself in the love of God. To keep yourself in the love of God. I've been on this a lot lately because God has been stirring it up in me, but Hebrews 10.22 talks about in the, going forward in the full assurance of faith, pressing forward. And Go ahead and bring it up, brother. Brother, I want to make sure it was a brother, not a sister. <laughs> Glory to God. We don't want to misgender anybody in here. Hallelujah. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, Hebrews 10.22. Glory to God. I'll get to it. Okay, it's not in their, yeah, there we go. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. 
having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Oh, God, there's so much that we could get into here, but, you know, I have less than five minutes, so we can't do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Romans 6, uh, 6, 1. Man, oh, man. Yeah, Romans 6, 1. Glory to God. Do you know, brothers and sisters, our walk is not about what other people do. If I stop serving God today, where's your walk? Still with God. If I stop serving God today, you keep, uh, you, you keep serving Him. I say this to my kids. Dad won't ever do it, but if I screw up and I stop serving God, don't you dare use that as an excuse to stop serving God. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know what the wonderful thing about serving God is? You ain't got to be perfect. You ain't got to be right. I like that amen, by the way. Amen, glory. Uh, you ain't got to be perfect. You ain't got to be right. You can miss it. Do you know God will allow you to miss it? He'll, he'll allow you to miss it a bunch. If your heart is after God, you can miss it a whole bunch. You can miss it a whole lot of bunch. Let me tell you, I've proven this true. I've proven it true. Because God will always make a way back to him. He will, if your heart is right, God will always make a way to him. Keep your heart right above all things. Amen? That's why we protect the conscience. Because when we protect our conscience, we, uh, we, we keep ourselves, I was pointing up there because Hebrews 10.22 was up there, protect your conscience. Right. When you know something's off or wrong, don't just cast that aside as being, eh. Romans 6, 1, 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Do you understand? There's living in it and stepping in it's different. Has anyone ever been walking down the sidewalk and stepped in something? It's frustrating, right? Yeah, it's gross. But you know, just as well as I know, I'd rather step in it than I would live in it. Amen? And your sin is that same sidewalk manure. That's what it is. Amen? It's just as nasty. It's just as disgusting. It stinks up. You know, actually, that is a wonderful, a wonderful example of what sin is like. And that's why I'm not going to shy away from it. If you, uh, if you have that on your shoe, you know there's a scam in some other countries where they actually, um, they, uh, uh, I can't remember how they do it, but basically they, when you're not looking, they get manure on your shoe, like not manure, like dog, disgusting dog poo on your shoe. And then what they do is they, uh, they act like there's someone just there to help you and they kind of like guide you over to a person who is... Uh, just happens to have clean, shoe cleaning stuff. And they do that. They clean your shoes. They don't tell you what it is, but because you're so wrapped up in how disgusting it is that you, you, you just want it off because nobody wants to walk around with that. I don't know about you, but if I step in something like that, I can feel it under my shoe. You know what I mean? Like it's there. It's like for days it bothers me. I'm like, you know, driving my foot out the car and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's disgusting. It's awful. But they, they do that. It's a scam. And then they overcharge people. They charge people some ridiculous amount, but because they already did it, they think that they, you know, they, people think that they have to pay it and all this. It's a scam. But uh, the point that I'm trying to make is, you know, it's, it's, think about the, the stress and the, the, the things that that causes just in a moment of, of just one step. But what about living in it? How shall we live in sin any longer when it's that disgusting to God? When God can't even look on sin without, without it being destroyed. You understand, it's not destroyed because God zaps it and it destroys. It's destroyed because in God's presence, sin cannot exist. 
because God is holy. He is just. He is good. Sin, literally, it just, it's, a, it's a reaction. It's like if you, uh, if you ever take uh, baking soda. I remember when we were kids, we'd make little volcanoes of baking soda and, and vinegar. What happens if you pour vinegar on, on baking soda? Well, it's the same thing. Sin is like that in the presence of God. It's a reaction. You can't stop it. It's going to happen. And that's why we're being cleansed here. That's why Jesus had to die for us. Right? Yes. So going, so when we get into hell, we need to keep this understanding that hell is not a matter of God sending us to some place. It's a matter of the rejection of everything that is God. And so the hell is just simply what God is not. Yes. You understand that? So uh, I just maybe I don't have to preach on it next week. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. Amen. But how should we uh, who died to it live in it any longer or live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism and death so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we too might walk in the newness of life. Think about your life. Do you live the way you did? That's not newness of life. Do you speak what you spoke? That's not newness of life. Do you, do, do, do you think like you thought? That's not newness of life. And see, some Christians, they just, some people, they never, they never grab on to the newness. See, one of the things I was after, my life had been so destroyed in the world that I was after something new. I needed change. And I don't mean change like, oh, I just need things to get a little bit better. I got to the place where I knew I needed it completely different. Because where I was was so bad. Everything was so screwed up. And everything was so screwed up because of sin in my life. That's all. That's all. That's the only reason. Things were bad in my life only because of sin, not because God didn't love me. Right. Not, and I was a Christian. I was born again. It wasn't until I decided I was going to start walking in the newness of life that things started getting better. See, people are trying to walk in a new life, but they are do, doing it embracing the old man. They're embracing the person that they were. They haven't really died. Do you know what it's like? Like, you, you know, we've seen that at a funeral. I, I, I love the funeral of a Christian. Because a funeral of a Christian is like this. Yes, people will be sad. Yes, people will be, uh, you know, there'll be emotions and stuff like that. But we rejoice when someone who's lying there has gone on to be with Jesus. Why? Because they're, the they're even in, in more newness of life. Amen. They're in the presence of the Father. It's a wonderful thing. But you know how sad it is when somebody, when, when somebody dies who's not a Christian and you know they didn't go to heaven? Somebody who rejected God and rejected God and rejected God, no matter how much you loved him, no matter how much you care for him, guess what? That doesn't get him into heaven. But somebody who has rejected it, rejected it, and rejected it, they had opportunity after opportunity and they just threw it away. You know, but that's exactly what our life is like. When we become born again, what we're doing is we're looking at that dead man that we were and we're holding on to him and he's decaying. He's falling apart. It's not, he's not, he's not, uh, it's not something, it's, it's rotting away. Amen? And we know that that's wrong. Praise the Lord. I want to close with this. I know kind of over time here, but we're going to close with this. Acts 26. Hallelujah. Acts 26. Hallelujah, Jesus. Acts 26, 19. My hope in this, these messages were that we get an understanding of sin and, and kind of get boundaries that would help us navigate this life. See, because the sin is all that hinders us from God. That's it. 
And when we start embracing him, when we start uh, receiving what he's done, that work on the cross, that work that he did for us to wash us clean from that stuff, when we start embracing that, man, the stuff we get into is really good. There's hope at the end of that. There's expectation at the end of that. Amen? So Acts 26, 19, uh, verses 19 and 20. Look at this. He says, uh, says here, So King Agrippa, he was addressing the king, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. That they should, this was the message, was it Paul? Am I right? The message of Paul? Yes. It's the message of Paul as he went out after he got converted. His message became this. Repent, turn to God, perform deeds appropriate for repentance. Repentance literally means, a lot of people think repentance is going before the Lord, say, Lord, I'm so sorry for my sin. That's not what repentance is. That is not repentance. That's saying I'm sorry. Repentance literally means to think differently. It means to change one's mind or to go in a different direction. Repent means that you recognize something is wrong. Do you understand salvation cannot happen without repentance? Salvation cannot happen without repentance. Let me say that one more time. Salvation does not exist without repentance. To change one's mind to look differently and say, this is not right. When you look, if a Christian, a Christian that looks at sin and says, that's okay, is a Christian that looks at the cross and says, that's not okay. A Christian that looks at sin and embraces it is a Christian, they're not a Christian at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can confess anything you want. You can say Jesus is Lord all day long. Get you no closer to heaven. Like, listen, I'm not saying that if you mess up in your sin, even if you messed up bad in your sin, that you don't get to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But a Christian that moves into, or a person that moves into that place of justifying things that the Bible clearly tells us we need to repent for is going against the word of God. It's rejecting what Christ did on the cross. Jesus did not die on the cross so we could look at sin and embrace it. He died on the cross so we could look at sin, recognize it's wrong, and have a way away from it. Yes. Glory to God. That's maybe the best thing I ever said. Praise the Lord. I'll pat myself on the back for that. I didn't give it to myself. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I'm serious. Like, we have to understand this. Repentance is change. It's to think differently. And say, well, maybe I just don't automatically think differently. You don't have to automatically think differently. You have to start going to the Word and allow that to change your thinking. Doesn't Romans 12, 2 say something along this nature of like renewing the mind and all this stuff, you know? And what is that all about? That's about thinking differently about things. We cannot be people that live like the world does, thinks like the world thinks, and then come to church on Sunday and say, but I'm a good Christian. Because you're not. All of those churches out there that embrace things 
I'm, I'm just going to go right through, right down the list. Churches that embrace homosexuality, churches that embrace uh, uh, the, the, these transgender things and stuff like that, churches that embrace all these things that the Bible clearly calls evil, are leading people to hell. And those ministers, I'm going to tell you, if my ministry led people to hell, I do not believe for a minute I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, free pass. It ain't going to happen. If people are teaching things that are completely opposite of the world, this doesn't mean you attack anybody. It doesn't mean you have to tear anyone down. But it doesn't mean we have to embrace it either. When the, when the Bible calls something wrong and a church calls it right or tries to justify why it's right, that doesn't make it right. I don't care who the minister is. They're lying. They're speaking from Satan. They're not speaking from God. And we need to get to a place where we recognize this. If Christians can't recognize what sin is, they are not going to recognize false teachers. They are not going to recognize people that are speaking uh, according to the devil and not according to God. The Bible tells us to test the spirits. There is one way that you can test the spirits. You cannot test the spirits according to a feeling that you have. You cannot test the spirits according to some unction that you have. You cannot test the spirits according to what your spiritual parents or anybody else said. The only way you can test the spirits is by holding them accountable to the word of God. Did you hear what I said? If they don't hold it accountable to the word of God, it is not truth. You cannot embrace it as truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Forgive me why I get bold. Hallelujah. But we got to end sin. We got to end sin on a power note anyways. Amen. Glory to God. It's like the power chord. Back in the 80s, I miss, miss those bands. They had, the, they had what they call the power chords, and they weren't, they weren't real hard. They were just like to play or anything like that. They just had a lot of, you know, like to them. My wife hates the power chords. I still have a little bit of love for the power chords. Amen. That's because I'm a preacher. She's not. Amen. She's not. No. No, that's not bad. She's not. She, when my wife got on the soapbox and started preaching, you got to understand the differences. There's different things. She's, a, she's more of a teacher than a preacher. Amen. I have, a, I have a bent towards preaching. Glory to God. Praise God. I won't insult my wife in this pulpit. Don't you, don't you think I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't un, uh, insult uh, quite possibly the greatest gift other than salvation that the Lord has ever moved into my wife or in my life. I won't do it. Amen. Glory to God. And anybody else that does that, oh, praise the Lord. Not just my wife, but I mean, you know, your own, your own. Like if God has given it to you, you better embrace it. Better. Amen.